Huh? Oh, you can say hi. Do it. you come on back to your seats. I know, I know you're having a great time. Come on back to your seats, friends. We're going to get into the Word of God this morning. Come on, it's going to be good. So good to see you all. How's everyone doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? All right, all right. We're going to get into the Word of God. Um, I feel like the Word of God has already been preached this morning. I don't know if we uh, need, but let's (laughs) let the Lord give what He wants to give. Amen? Um, We're going to be in John chapter 15 today. If you have a Bible or a device you like to read, Uh, the Bible along with. That would be amazing. Um, We will have the scripture up on the the projector as well. Um, So here we are. Last week we had sunshine. That was a sign for some of you. And today we have snow. Strangely, driving in, I said that snow's a, I felt the Holy Spirit say the snow's a sign for someone else. I don't know who you are or what the word is. I had a word for the sunshine. I'm a word for the snow, but, uh, you know, ask the Holy Spirit. Sammy, are you talking to me? Anybody have God speak to them through the snow before? I have. No? (laughs) Big no over there. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) Bless him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. (laughs) God speaks through donkeys. He can talk through the snow. Amen? All right. So we are um, heading into our last week of what we call 504, um, which is our 21 days of Pressing in in prayer and fasting, seeking the Lord in a special way as we start the new year. Why 504? Well, because there's 21 hours, I mean, sorry, 21 days, 24 hours, makes 504 hours. So looking to make sure we maximize this time, not living life as usual. At least that's what I think of when we're counting the hours. I'm not living life as I'm going to the next uh, 11 months. I'm focusing in in a strategic way, moving things aside uh, during these days and hours to be with the Lord, to launch us, to empower us into the new year. So we're at hour 335 right now, if you're counting, as we enter the final week. And I feel like this fast has gone fast. Um, If you're participating, I hope it feels like that for you. Uh, Normally, fasts feel really slow. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, it makes you press in, so I'm, I'm slowing myself down. Like, ah, this is almost over, and I feel like it's um, flying by. Before we get into the Word, I, though, I want to encourage you with another thing. I, I felt like, and God's just saying a lot today. He's got a lot to say. It's so funny. Last week, I came in, um, and we have people that come at 9 before the service on Sundays to pray, and I love that. Bless you. You know who you are. Uh, they're kind of the people you, that don't want you to call them out, uh, but they, they know who they are. And anyone's welcome, by the way, if you are able to come early and want to spend time in prayer, come at nine. But I try to ask somebody, if I remember, every week that as they come out of the room, 
what was God saying? What was God saying? And last week, um, someone uh, said to me, we were asking the Lord for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, which is uh, one of the passages we read in our, if you're following the reading plan. I was like, oh, that's awesome. And we got to the end of the service, and uh, I didn't recognize that any particular gifts of the Spirit had been expressed. And so I was kind of lamenting that, um, and then on Mondays during this, the elders have been meeting just to pray. Every Monday we're praying. We're praying for you. We're praying for this time in a special way. And so I brought that. I'm like, well, I felt like that was the Lord speaking. I don't think we've seen the manifestation of it. Let's pray into it again. And then we didn't tell anyone. But here we come this morning, and everyone has a word from the Lord. <laughs> prophetic word. Everyone has a testimony. Um, so God was speaking. God answers our prayer. And I just wanted to recognize that as a testimony of how simply the Lord uh, moves and works. Now, that person did not say it was a word from the Lord, but they were praying. They were asking the Lord for the gifts of the Spirit. And if you ask according to the will of God, you know what you should expect? God will do it. And if he doesn't, ask him again, because he will do it. Amen? So there's your message. Um, One last thing. Um, I really felt as I was preparing for today to encourage those of you who have been participating. Now, if you haven't, you can jump in on this too. Like, if you're sitting here like, I didn't know you're fasting. I haven't been fasting. Maybe you've been here and you're like, I just don't have, feel I have grace for that. Awesome. You can still take this. Um, as I was thinking towards our last week of this fast, I was reminded of this story um, where Jesus' disciples were asked to cast this demon out of this boy, and they couldn't. None of them. They all tried. Nothing's happening. And so they bring it to Jesus, or Jesus comes along. I'm missing some of the detail, but the bottom line's the same. Uh, and they're like, Jesus, we, we couldn't cast out. What do we do? Jesus casts out with a word like boom. And they're like, what, what happened? We did all the things. <laughs> we did what you showed us. We did what you told us. And uh, essentially he said, this, this kind uh, comes out only by prayer and fasting. And an encouragement I had for us as we're wrapping up this prayer and fasting time is to believe God to do something that takes more strength than you would normally expect God to do. Um, and, and I want to encourage you as we enter into the last week of the fast to even make a list of five things um, to pray for daily as we round out this fast. And I believe it's because the Lord wants to set your faith and expectation because he's going to do it this year, those five things. There may be an issue in your life, at your work, in your family, um, or just in the world that weighs heavy on your heart. I want you to make your list. You could even do it now if you want. If you want to make a list in your notes on your phone, there are three things already on your mind. Just write them down now. You don't have to wait till later. You'll forget. If you have a journal, you want to write them in your Bible. It doesn't have to be five, but that's the word I sense. Five things. Write down five things that you are want to believe God to break in and break through for. I believe that our corporate fasting is releasing grace to, to see those things happen. How is this possible? impossible. Anything that seems impossible is possible with God. Amen? So uh, I give you full, full liberty to, to even continue to meditate on that, write that as we continue to go into the Word. But it doesn't have to be five, but make your list now. Keep it and pray daily. Pray daily. Pray daily. And next Sunday, if you're able to be with us, we'll do an activation where we pray over all these things and believe God for the release. Now, it may not happen this week. Let me just be clear. I'm not promising you that, but I think this year, you're going to see God, God move in those things. All right. Amen. We're in our Empowered series, and uh, if you're going through uh, the reading plan that I gave out at the beginning of the 504, uh, we've been reading all about the, the, the movement of the Holy Spirit, um, 
and you should be, you know, reading through the book of Acts if you, you're all caught up um, with that. Um, but we're going to stay with the focus on being empowered by God beyond this fast. I just want you to know that um, today as we're looking at John 15, we haven't even touched on the book of Acts and all the things the Holy Spirit does through the church. We're going to be unpacking those over the weeks to come because God wants us to dive deep because I believe he wants us fully empowered in this hour that we live. He is pouring out his spirit on us in these days, and we want all that he has. Amen? So this week, we're going to be looking at John chapter 15, which happens to be, I think, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Do you have a question? I don't know if it works, but you're... Anyone else needs a pen? Just tap time the shoulder. <laughs> so I said put it in your phone, man. Uh, all right. John chapter 15 is probably one of my favorite chapters in the, the entire Bible um, because in it is contained for me, it's just very personal to me, what I have adopted as my personal life vision, which is to be a friend of God. And that's not secret to me, it's right there in the Bible. So I want to encourage you to take that as your own as well. But I have very intentionally focused the way I think, the way I live my life, where I form my priorities with, with one thing in my mind. What is the one thing I want to do with my life is be a friend of Jesus. I want to be a friend of God. And that bleeds into how, how ministry goes, how family goes, how marriage goes, how uh, just my personal heart is stewarded is as a friend of God. And um, the title for the message today then is The Obedience of Divine Friendship. The obedience of divine friendship. So as we uh, jump into the word this morning, um, and I realize we're, we're a little later in the service, um, we'll try to keep it concise this morning. Would you pray with me as we jump into the word? Father, we thank you. We thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for calling us to yourself. What a great love that we should be called the children of God. Uh, we just thank you for that, for drawing us near and calling us to be your friends. Lord, I ask today that you would teach us to walk in friendship with God. I pray today that you would teach us your ways, that you'd make our hearts tender to you and give a spirit of wisdom and revelation as we look to your word. If you agree, you can say amen. In Jesus' name. All right, so I'm going to read from John chapter 15, just a handful of verses, and we're going to talk about friendship with God. Starting in verse 9 of John chapter 15, if you have a Bible, follow along, otherwise it'll be up here. I'm reading from the NIV. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Selah. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, verse 12, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. Obviously, talking about himself there. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you 
so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. We're going to stop there. And that's a whole lot. That's a whole lot. Like, you could chew on this for days and weeks and months, and I would encourage you to do so. Do not expect or fear that I'm going to try to unpack all of this right now. <laughs> uh, so let's start at the very good, the beginning, a very good place to start. <laughs> Verse 9, the most important part of this whole piece. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Without this peace, none of this makes sense. As the Father has loved me, Jesus says, I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Now, we can't, we don't have time, we don't have even the, the capacity to receive the revelation. But just for a moment, stop and imagine how you think God the Father feels about God his Son. What kind of love do they share? I'll tell you this, it is a full strength, unending, holy, holy, holy kind of love. And Jesus says, that kind of love is how I love you. Write your name in the blank. So have I loved Jade. So have I loved Alberta. In the same way the Father loves me, Jesus, I love Haley. Put your name in the blank. That's the, the, the truth that all the universe is founded on, the love of God for you. Now remain in my love, he says. Here's the truth. You have been fully, freely, unrelentingly loved into the family of God. That's, that's the truth from which you will live or should live all of your days. It's the one thing that will never change about you. You are fully, freely, unrelentingly loved by God into his family. Just like the Father loves the Son, you are loved by Jesus, and you didn't do anything to deserve it. You could never earn it. He loves you because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. Period. End of sentence. It's who he is. It's how he has positioned his heart towards you forever, and it will never change. I don't care where you go or what you do. I don't care if you run out these doors and you never follow Jesus again. You know what? You've been fully, freely, unrelentingly loved and it will never change. He loves you because he loves you because he loves you. Remain in it. Find life in it. Rest in it. Verse 10. Like I said, you should spend the rest of your life chewing on that. We don't have capacity to even receive the revelation of that in this moment. For the rest of eternity, you will be receiving revelation of that reality. But when you follow his ways, he says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments, or if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. That's verse 10, the next verse. I would like to put it this way. When you follow his ways or obey his words, you will experience the rest of of his love. Not meaning the, the full measure, you'll experience the rest of your soul. 
And someone even quoted that scripture. Come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden. You will find rest for your soul. In your heart and your mind and your soul, you will receive rest when you follow God's ways. It is a place of rest. That's why, why he says abide. It's like finding a home and living from this place. Not of not not works, not of striving, but find rest for your soul by following the ways and the words of Jesus. Imagine it like this for me. I like to paint a picture, and some of you artists would do this way better, but um, I would like you to imagine the hottest, hottest, driest, driest desert. All right, but then within that desert, imagine an oasis, a pool. No, let's make it an ocean. And that ocean would represent the, the limitless, relentless depth and fullness of the love of God for you. And you find yourself traveling through a hot desert. What do you want to do? Get in the water. No one's stopping you from getting in the water. <laughs> but if you get out, you're going to be exposed once again to the elements, to the heat, to the harshness, to the burden of living outside of it. The words of God, the ways of God, the commands of Jesus are like the shore of the ocean. His love doesn't change for you. His love for you doesn't move. But when you step outside of his ways, you step outside of receiving the rest of your soul and expose yourself to the elements of living outside of it. Is this making sense? Some people will say in life at different times, believers, well-meaning people, and if this is you, I, I, I don't mean to be harsh, but you may be being rebuked. They'll say, well, I'm just in a dry time. I'm just in a, in a dry season right now. And my question to you would be, why'd you get out of the water? If you find yourself in a dry place, the real question is, where did you say no to Jesus? Where did you reject his leadership for your life? Is this making sense? Was it in how you treated your neighbor or talked to your spouse? Was it how you acted at work? Where did your heart shift from his ways? In how you use your time? Did you watch something? You, you know the Holy Spirit told you not to watch. There will always be a reason for the why of the dry. And here's the cool thing about it. You don't have to go on a wild goose chase. You're his sheep. You hear his voice. If you are unsure, ask him, and he will show you. And then you have this wonderful gift called the gift of repentance, meaning turn back and get back in the water. Turn back to his ways. Obey his voice again. You don't have to spend a time out. You don't have to wait till you've earned your way back in. You simply say, I was wrong. You were right. I'm getting back in the water. That's called repentance. I was wrong. You're right. And I agree with you. And in a moment, you're out of that dry place. Is this making sense? To abide in the love of God, the reason it it relates to how we follow his ways and his words is, is his loving kindness to show us the boundary. I've loved you fully and I want you to live in the vast expanse of my love. Why tiptoe around the shore when you can get lost in the expense of my limitless love? Is this making sense? 
But God won't make you love him. And he won't make you obey him. Ever. But when you see him, when you know him, when you experience his kindness, and you know that he loves you, you want to obey. You want to follow his ways. You want to stay in the refreshment of his unending love for you. Do you know what I'm saying? Even Jesus had to learn to stay within the boundaries of obeying the Father and remain in that place of cool refreshing. It's the place that you rest. It's the place that you find refreshment. God's words, his ways, his commandments are not burdensome. They actually liberate us. So when he calls us into following his ways, and I put it that way because we, we can get averse to this idea of commands. Like, oh, that sounds like the law. Jesus is trying to put me in the law. No, he's trying to lead you to life. Life everlasting. The word says this, the, the commandments of God are not burdensome. Psalm 119 even says, like, I run in the way of your commands. Why? Because they set my heart free. Your ways set my heart free. It's when I live for myself that I'm burdened. It's when I go my own way that I'm in the harsh desert of my own choices. Is this making sense? God's words and ways liberate us. He's leading us to life. When we come into agreement with his ways, when we say yes to his word, even if we don't understand it, we are putting ourselves in the place to experience the rest that our souls long for. We're saying yes to rest for our soul. We're saying yes to the garden. The garden of Eden, right? It was the place they lived when they were in agreement with God. When they said yes to his ways. When they agreed with his heart. And when they made the choice to say, I'm going to do it my way. They could no longer live in that garden of rest. And they had to work the land and toil Jesus just calling us back. Come back in to the rest for your soul. This is true, you know, of death to life. This is true of salvation. I'm, I'm playing with this because this just doesn't feel right. So if it looks weird, just try to ignore it. Um, I'm like, what's going on here? This is true in salvation, right? You understand, I don't know the Lord, I'm in sin. You hear the good news that you need a Savior. I remember this day from my life so clearly. that He had come, he died for my sin to make a way for me. And I remember, you know, the pastor asking me as a little eight-year-old boy, well, do you want to receive Jesus as your Savior? I said, yes. And I was weeping. I remember weeping because I knew I was a sinner who needed a Savior, even at eight years old. And as I prayed to put my faith in Jesus immediately, Peace came on my soul. This is true for us when we first come to Jesus, but you know what? It's every day as a believer as well. You're called to come close to Jesus in fellowship and receive rest for your soul, not just by coming into uh, the lordship of Jesus one time to say, yeah, you died for my sin, thank you, Jesus, but every day of your life to say, you're not just my savior, you're my Lord. That you get to lead me, you get to guide me, you get to direct me is the place of life forevermore. And it's a place of freedom for our hearts. Many times in our lives we're playing around the shoreline, kind of going in and out. When Jesus is saying, come into the deeper waters of knowing me. 
Would you just trust my voice? Would you just trust my ways? Would you trust my leadership? And so I'm not just talking about the big things of, I believe Jesus is Lord. I'm talking about the daily ways in which we walk. God's trying to impart his ways to our ways. But there are moments, many moments sometimes, where we resist because we don't trust. And we have this fear. Actually, it's sociological right now. I was reading a whole study about this. But like, there's this, this big fear that weighs on us now culturally, fear of better options. And it's all in us too as a church. Let's just admit it. God, forgive us. Help us to repent. But in, in the ways that we spend our time, even the way we commit ourselves to fellowship or church or believers at times is very on the shoreline. We're like, I don't know if I want to fully go all the way in because like, if I go all the way in, then I, I'm, what, what am I going to miss? I fear better options. And why do people these days resist marriage? Well, like if I go fully commit and I, and I commit, sign that covenant, what if I, what I didn't find the one? There's a better option. There might be a better option out there and it's crippling. And I tell you, yes, it's in us too. When God whispers into our ears something that, that he wants us to do, maybe even a simple, te- uh, simple thing about how we're managing our time or how we're stewarding certain relationships or the way we interact in a certain environment and the Holy Spirit's whispering to us. Many times we're like, you know, I don't know if I can do that because what if, what if, what if? What's going to happen to me if I say yes to Jesus? You're going to receive life. is there a better option than him is there a better option than drawing near to jesus no never what if i mess it up god sees the yes in your heart and that's what matters most i'm not sure if jesus told me to do this but maybe he did you know what you should err on the side of? Say yes to Jesus anyways. So once he gets you swimming in the waters of obedience, he can get you a lot faster to where he's really trying to get you. Is this making sense? And the Lord is challenging some of you in some very personal yet small ways. You've been resisting me. You've been resisting me. Life's feeling a little hot. You're feeling the burden on your shoulders because you're tiptoeing around the shoreline. Say yes to me and get back in the water. And you know what? I kind of said this already. But verse, verse 11, he says this. When we do this, when we live this way, and, and essentially it's about having a tender heart. Lord, I want my heart tender to your ways. When you speak, I want to move. When you move on my heart, I want to say yes. I want to have a quick, immediate, obedient yes. The reward of such a life is very simple. It's called joy. Your joy will be full. You know how I know Jesus said it? It's right there. We just read it. Your joy will be complete. It won't be a little. And Jesus is not a liar. Now, it may not be obedient. Sometimes our choices to obey don't feel good on the front end. But the end of the story will be one thing, joy. Because at the end of the day, you will get one thing. You'll get Jesus. And at the end of the day, you will never regret any decision you make to say yes to Jesus. Never. You'll never look back and say, oh, man, I wish I would not have said yes to Jesus. You will never, you'll stand in eternity, you will never have that thought. You know what you will have regret about? The times you said no. 
And I can't think of anything I like, hate, I didn't mean to say like, I can't think of anything I hate more in this life than the regrets I already have for times I said no to Jesus. Now, I have no shame. Don't, don't get me wrong. Don't come counsel me later about my shame issues. Uh, I have no shame. I know God loves me. I know I'm free, but I still regret. I look back and like, dang it, that was the wrong move. God made it all better, but I wish I would have said yes the first time. I don't know if we carry that into eternity, but if we do, I want as little as possible. I don't think we'll forget this life. I think this life sets us up for the next. And so I want to say yes and yes and yes and yes, because even if I don't experience the fullness of joy today, I will for a billion years and another billion years, and another billion years. Okay, so my choice to be obedient to Jesus might be uncomfortable for a day, for a week, for a month. It might be, it might be uncomfortable for 20 years. You know, I choose to follow Jesus, and then my family disowns me. That's going to be really rough. You're going to have a billion years of joy as your reward. <laughs> I think the choice is simple. But I really think Jesus is saying, if I put it in my own words, you follow my ways, you follow what I tell you to do, you obey me, you will be glad. You'll be glad every time you say yes to me. And you'll regret saying no. But again, he's not forcing us. He's not going to make you jump in the water of his love. He just offers the invitation. He's like, I want you with me. I want you with me. Come with me. This is the way. Get with me. Well, what are the commandments? Well, you know, you've got the whole Old Testament law. But Jesus is like, no, I want to make it real simple what my commandments are. This is my commandment that you love. Because all the commandments of God are summed up in one thing, love. Will you love him? Will you choose to love him? Or will you love your neighbor? Everything God leads us to do in this life is about love. Everything he moves in our heart by his Holy Spirit to do is about love. Will we choose to love him? Will we choose to love our neighbor? We don't always see it that way, but he says it is. Like, well, I thought it was about like being friends with this person I don't really like. Well, yes, love them. <laughs> then you're loving me. <laughs> I thought it was about giving that, that offering that seemed a little sacrificial. Yeah, that's loving him. Obedience is love. The, the love language of heaven is obedience on earth. The command is to love. And it's not just about doing good deeds. In fact, I want to say this. This is important that your good deeds, although they can spring from faith and can be good, they are not the same as your love. Good deeds are not the same to love. Your willingness to work for God isn't what he's calling you into. I hope that it's in your heart to do good things. I hope it's in your heart to serve well. But it is not the same as what he's calling you into. He's calling you into friendship. See, and I say this because some of us, we find it easy to work. We like to work hard. We can do this stuff. We'll serve all day. And we think somehow our work, our deeds, our willingness to serve will serve as payment to the Lord. Lord, don't you see that I love you? I'm serving you. He said, no, but what I really, really want is not that. It's your heart. What I really want is, is your love for me. And if our, our good deeds are not flowing from our affection for Jesus, they're not really worth much. They're just a nice distraction, 
a, a, a nice replacement. Because many times we think just doing the right thing is a little easier than relationship. And it actually is. Because <laughs> when we're having, trying to be friends with God, that's like really a wild thought, right? Like that seems so far away. Like God of the universe wants to be friends with me. I just, I just, I, I don't even know how to manage all that, but I can do good things. It's not that hard, but it is, it is different. You know, just like I can do nice things for, for, for my wife all day long, but if I never relate to her as a person, look her in the eyes, talk to her, there's not much going on there. God's inviting us into learning to relate to him where we find life. We find it in following him, walking in his ways. I want you to always remember what he said with his own mouth. This obedience, this walking with him is better than sacrifice. In other words, as I said before, having a heart tender to his ways and to his leading is much more valuable to him than any other gift we could bring. Our desire to follow him, not simply offer him things. It's, it's way better to him. It's way more fragrant before him. It's to give him our fellowship and our follow. You know, I think of when Jesus told the parable the story of when people would appear before him in heaven and he said, you know, some came and like, Lord, Lord, we did all the things. They did some amazing things. We healed the sick. We cast out devils. We raised the dead. We did all the things. We prophesied in your name, Jesus. And he looks at them and says, I didn't know you. What you did was unauthorized. Meaning they, they offered up the sacrifice of service in his name. But they didn't walk in fellowship with Jesus. They didn't walk in friendship, and it's a big deal to him. Friendship with God is, is the Father's business. You know, Jesus was obedient. He walked in obedience. Did you know that? Philippians 2 actually said he was obedient even unto death. Wow. Why? Why would Jesus go so far? Well, it's what the Father wanted. But why? Why did the Father want that? Why did he ask his son to walk with him in that way? It's to make you and me friends of God too. And Jesus looked at that and said, it's worth it. I'll obey you, Father. You think of him in the garden. He struggled for a minute. Is this really the way we got to do it, Father? But if this is your way, I want your way. He invites us into the Father's business. Not that Jesus will do it for us, but that we get to do it with God ourselves. Empowered by God. So where are we at in the storyline of Jesus here, right? Like we started last week, we talked about Luke 4, where he began his earthly ministry, and, and the Spirit led him into this wilderness where he was tested, and it said he came out 
in the power of God. He came out of that time of testing, out of the wilderness, in the power of God. And so he lives his earthly ministry. John 15 is actually at the end. And these are the last moments with his disciples. We're talking about being empowered, right? His last moments with his disciples. He's imparting to them the way that they get to walk out everything he's been walking out. The way they get to enjoy fellowship with God, the way he's been walking out fellowship with God in front of their very eyes. So this is the way. Walk in my ways, follow my commands. You'll be empowered to do all the stuff, right? He says, if you're not just my servants, you're not just my slaves. I'm calling you friends because I've let you in on the Father's business. You've seen me doing the Father's business. Everything you've seen me do, it wasn't what I wanted to say. I was just doing what he told me to say. It wasn't what I wanted to do. I was doing what he told me to do. And of course, it was his pleasure to walk with the Father. But it wasn't his own will. It was his will partnered with the Father's will. He said, and now I've called you as my friends, and I'm going to show you how much I care for you by laying down my very own life to invite you into the Father's business. You're going to be a partner too. You're going to be part of what I've begun. You will continue. You will be empowered through friendship. You'll be empowered through obedience to my ways. Out of the overflow and affection of our own hearts, when we see how much he loves us, we want to obey. We want to follow. We want to come after him. But I want to tell you, though, you will be empowered, and you will see a release, a greater release of God's heart and his will and his power and his grace into any situations when you follow his ways. When you say the yes of obedience. And the last piece, what he talks about here in this passage, is the result. That's what I'm talking about. As I just said, fruitfulness. So you will bear much fruit. This is the result of living a life in love with God and living a life of love for others. Following the leading of the Holy Spirit is extraordinary fruit. I want to tell you this. This is actually what we all want. We want our lives to count for something. We want something to be produced that lasts. Not just for a moment, but what if what you produce could last for eternity? That's what he's saying. When you follow this way, your life will have impact. It will be fruitful, very fruitful, and he's not just talking about your, your platform or your press or what people say about you for a moment, but when you live this life of love and friendship with God, your life will count for eternity. Think of it. Think of the stories we are already living in. Abraham, called by God, did not have a family, you know, did not have children, but God says, go, do this, you'll be blessed, and nations will be blessed through you. Did Abraham see the nations blessed in his lifetime? No, but he was obedient, and here we are, children of Abraham. Because of his obedience, he's a part of our storyline. His life has had impact that continues on and on and on and on and on, all into to eternity. I don't want to tell you, your obedience to Jesus today may or may not greatly impact the world around you. But if your obedience is to Jesus, it has eternal consequence. If you say yes to God in his ways, even if no one knows your name, the legacy and the story will go on for eternity. You will bear much fruit, says Jesus. And Jesus doesn't lie. 
I mean, we're alive. We have salvation today. Why? Because Jesus was obedient. Because Jesus followed the will of the Father. And he's simply inviting us into this same lifestyle, saying yes to Jesus, saying yes to his ways, agreeing with him, staying in the vast ocean of his love for us. This is where we are empowered. We're empowered in friendship. We're empowered in relational intimacy so that we go with him as friends. Obedience simply says, I trust you, God, and your ways. My life is not my own, and you're worthy. How many of you say you could agree with that, that you trust him, that he's good? Your life belongs to him and that he's worthy. Let's stand together. Our uh, response today is we're going to pray for a minute, but then we're going to take communion. I feel like it's such a fitting seal on this message because Jesus was obedient even unto death. Let's come before the Lord. Denise, would you mind? Thank you. I meant to ask you beforehand. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you for your great love for us, for inviting us in to abide in your love for all our days forever. Lord, right now, would you just touch every heart in this room? Would you just even now begin to speak by the Holy Spirit and draw us, draw us near to you, draw us near to your heart? Lord, Clean out our ears so that we can hear again. Let's just take a moment right here, could we? Just keep your eyes closed so you, we know we're before the Lord. Some of you, I want to challenge you, and the Holy Spirit is even now touching your heart. You just need to act on things you already know. You don't need another confirmation. You don't need a thunder from heaven because God has already made some things clear to you. But you're waiting and hesitating and thinking there might be another better option that comes along. The Holy Spirit wants to give you grace right now to surrender that fear and say yes. To surrender that fear and trust Jesus to surrender and turn back, and you will experience times of refreshing. If that's been you, you're like, I feel burdened, I feel dry, I feel worn out. I tell you, this is your solution. Step back in to the the refreshing waters of the love of God by saying yes, by saying yes to obeying what he has already told you. Stop resisting the wooings of the Holy Spirit. Stop resisting what he's been asking you to do. Simply give your yes now and he will give you grace to walk it out. If that's you, just respond to the Lord right now. You know, you know if that's you. And I'm not here to call you out. Others of you, would you just posture yourself before the Lord? I want to give an opportunity to, um, if you're here and you've never really had the opportunity to to make your big yes to Jesus as Savior and Lord. 
but you hear his call today saying, yes, you, yes, you, even you, I want you to be my friend. And you've never had the opportunity to step in to the vast and gracious love of Jesus by faith in his shed blood for you. I want to give you that opportunity right now. That right where you are, you can say yes to Jesus. And just as I did as an eight-year-old boy, the peace of God will flood your heart. The presence of Jesus will come and abide with you right now. You simply say, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. Jesus, you have given it all to make a way for me to know God. And today I say yes. Today I turn away from myself. I turn away from my sin and I turn to you. I want to tell you, if that's you, you're diving into a big ocean of his love today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, would you help us all to trust and obey because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Amen. Uh, those of you serving, is it you, Kirby and Sheila? Could you just serve the elements right now? So like I said, this is going to be our response.